Well, thank you all for joining us this evening um, for Christmas Eve. You know, this is such a special evening to celebrate. And I was in the foyer before we started, and I saw a lot of faces out there that I didn't recognize. So if this is your first time, we're not going to single you out. Don't worry. But thank you for joining us. We're so glad to have you. Um, and my name is Darian Shafar. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Gateway. And as such, it is also my privilege to be able to speak and just celebrate this Christmas season with you all. You know, Christmas is such a fun time of year because it symbolizes so many things. It symbolizes opportunities to spend time with family symbolizes the, the giving and receiving of gifts. I know when I was a kid, that was my favorite part of Christmas. It symbolizes the celebration where we get to gather with friends and family and just celebrate, have a reason and excuse to celebrate. But I also know for other people, Christmas can be a time of heartbreak. A time of, of grief because of loss. A time of stress because of finances in different situations. A, a difficult time. You know, it was only about three years ago when shortly after Christmas, I was sitting behind that drum cage and I got a text saying that my grandmother died. And so Christmas can be a season of immense joy and also immense sadness. But you know, beyond the presence, beyond the, the, the celebrations, beyond all of the traditions that we celebrate, beyond all those things, they're all great, but really they're just an aspect of the season. Beyond all of that, the reason that we gather and the reason that we celebrate is really to celebrate this incredible reality of a God who loved his children so much that he sent his only son to die for us, to live amongst us, to be born as a baby, to come on earth and be God with us. You know, over the past couple weeks as a church in the lead up to Christmas Eve, it's a season we call Advent. And over these past couple weeks, we've been exploring the reality of what Jesus meant, why Jesus mattered, and how that actually affects our lives, how through Jesus' death, we have access to the hope of God, how we don't have to live in hopelessness anymore, but because Jesus came, we can surrender, we can give up our hopelessness and receive the hope of God trusting that he will do what he has promised. We talked about how we no longer have to be stressed and worried and, and afraid because we have access to the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because Jesus came. We talked about the joy that we get to have even in the midst of tragedy and hardship. That even when life is difficult and even when things are hard and even when we're mourning, there are seasons to mourn that's important. But how we can still find joy because Jesus came. Because God wasn't passive. And he didn't look at us in our brokenness and say, ah, whatever. 
But instead, he sent his son to be born, to live, to walk with us. So this evening, I want to share a very, very simple message about the love of our Father God. See, I believe that the Bible can be summed up in kind of one core theme, and that is the theme of love. See, I believe this story from the first page to the last is really quite simply, it's a love story. It's a story of our Father in heaven, God, who loved his people so much that he was not willing to sit by. Really, from the start, we see God creates humanity in his image. He creates humanity to rule the earth on his behalf. We are ambassadors of heaven, Genesis 1 says. But God gave us free will because it's really hard to love a robot. And with our free will, we said, thank you, God. But we don't like you, God. We're going to do things our own way. And even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of us rejecting God, God continually came after us. He pursued after people. He pursued after Abraham and his children, Isaac and Jacob. He pursued after the nation of Israel. And now through Jesus, he pursues all of us. Why? Because of love. See, I believe that the Bible can be summed up in a simple passage. It's not often read at Christmas time. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. And then verse 17, I had memorized this verse, John 3.16, as a kid, but never looked at 17. It says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Really, this passage is a, is a statement in this way, God loved the world. In this way, God loved people. In this way, God loved you. See, I firmly believe that Jesus, he died on the cross for everyone, but he would have done it for one person. He would have done it just for you. Because that is the great love that our Father has for us. That even in our brokenness and even in our, our messed up state, God looks at us with love. And he doesn't say, shape up or else I'll leave you forever. He says, hey, let me come alongside you and help you. See, so often the good news of Jesus is presented as if we're over here and God's over here and there's this giant chasm in the middle. It's canyon. And so often, and I, I think that illustration is accurate, but so often where it gets, people get it wrong is we think that the whole idea of the gospel is we figure out a way to cross that canyon so we can come to Jesus on our knees and 
beg him for forgiveness. But the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God sent his son to bridge that gap, to come alongside us, to be with us. Like God so loved us that he did whatever it would take to rescue us from ourselves. See, in Matthew chapter 1, we find Matthew's rendition of the birth of Jesus. And it says that when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. Now this is a fascinating cultural statement that we don't fully understand the, the, grati- or the, the gravitude of what's being said here. Because in our culture, we kind of think of dating as, well, I like you. Oh, I like you. Okay, let's go out. Now we love each other. We're going to get engaged and plan a wedding. But in that day and age, how it worked was a guy would be like, oh, I kind of like her. Hey, you're her father. I'll give you three oxen and two cows. I guess cows are oxen. But I'll give you stuff. You give me a dowry and we'll get married. And so the idea was marriage was not about love. It was about convenience. It was about family. And in essence, what would happen in that day and age is once the man and the, the, the woman's father made a deal, made an agreement, they would be engaged. In the eyes of the law, they were practically married, but there was this year-long period where they were engaged and they didn't live together. They couldn't spend time alone together. And then they would get married and have kids. And so Mary and Joseph are engaged. And it's not a small deal. It's not a, oh yes, I said yes, but I can break it off as long as the wedding hasn't happened. This is a big deal in their culture. And so for her to be pregnant, and Joseph's like, it wasn't me. This opened Mary up to incredible amounts of shame and guilt and potential even potentially even punishment in the eyes of the Jewish culture and law. So Joseph, it says, he's a good guy. He's like, okay, she's pregnant. It's not mine. So I'm going to try and do right by her, and I'm just going to, we're going to break off the engagement, and that'll be that. But it says, verse 20, just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. So Joseph has this dream. Your future wife, she's pregnant. It's from God. She's going to have a son. 
he will be named Jesus, which means God is salvation. And he will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Because he will save his people from their sins. And you know, this was quite the tall order for this unborn child. This was quite the calling. This was quite the purpose in life. Because in that day and age, as it is today, sin was a big deal. Sin was a big problem. See, sin or, is this idea of lawlessness. It's this idea of guilt. It's where we find all of the hatred and the war and, and the, the death that happens in our world. All of the evil that comes to pass in this world is rooted in this idea of sin. And sin, worse than that, it creates this divide between us and God. And beyond that, part, one of the laws of the universe is that sin leads to death. Romans 6 tells us the penalty of our sins is death. But God didn't look down on us and be like, shame on you, shape up. God looked down on us in love and said, hey, let me come alongside you. Let me help you. So he sent his son, Jesus, God is salvation, who would be Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And what's really fascinating about that word is, I mean, from, from our understanding, God is with us, that's a, that sounds really good. But in their day and age, in the day and age of Jesus, ancient Jewish culture, what this meant wasn't just that God was close. It meant that God was walking alongside, guiding and helping this idea of God is with us, first of all, it means God has come near. But secondly, it means that God is guiding you and helping you. And specifically, Matthew, in, in quoting this verse about a virgin giving birth to a son, he's quoting a passage out of Isaiah chapter 7. See, Isaiah 7, it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. And in particular, this, this, this prophecy was spoken at a time when the nation of Israel was under great distress. See, the king at that time, Ahaz, he, he was being attacked by this, this army of three different nations. And so in order to deal with this, he had turned to an enemy empire, a foreign empire for help. And Isaiah comes to Ahaz and he says, why did you turn to Assyria, this enemy empire for help, when you could have gone to God? And Isaiah says to him, God is with you. God will take care of you. And as proof, there's a woman who is pregnant, whose child will not reach the age of three before those three kings are defeated. And we know from the historical record that within three years, those three kings had died. Ahaz had turned to a foreign empire for help when God was the one who provided him help. And Isaiah told him, God is with you. And because God is with you, he will guide you. He will protect you. He will make a way. 
And so we see Matthew. He looks back on this prophecy about God rescuing Israel from an enemy nation. And in this prophecy, he sees this greater picture of God rescuing the world from sin. And he tells us that God sent his son to be born of a woman, to be born as a human being, to leave heaven to come to earth. And he says that Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is the one who has come alongside. Jesus is God come in human flesh to be with us, to guide us, to help us. Jesus came to reveal the love of our Father. See, I was reading, this is probably five years ago now, I was reading this book by a pastor named Erwin McManus. I have it on my phone. And in this book, he makes this, he says this quote. He says, there's only one reason for God to come himself because in issues of love, you just can't have someone else stand in for you. When it comes to love, it has to be face to face. There has to be contact. We've been told that God is a reluctant lover and that his standards must be met before there can be any talk of love. This is lunacy. Love exists because God is love. That's 1 John 4. God is not passive, for love is never passive, but always passionate. And passion always leads to action. So because God loved us, because God loved you, he sent his son to leave heaven and come to earth, to leave perfection and come into brokenness, to endure all of the problems that we as humans face so that he could rescue us and bring us back into relationship with our Father. Bring us back into the love of God. 1 John 4, verse 9, it says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning sacrifice means to deal with the penalty, the punishment that we deserve for our sins. God is love. And God loved each and every one of us. God loved you personally so much that he sent his son, his only son, to come to earth and suffer for you.
and the invitation that we have is that because of Jesus, now we can approach the Father. Now we can draw near to his love. Now we can experience his love. But because of Jesus, now we can have that encounter with our Heavenly Father. Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago for this one purpose. Just one main purpose. To reveal the love of our Heavenly Father. Not to shame you. Not to tell you shape up or else. Not to make you feel bad about yourself. But he came to reveal the love of our Father God who is not abusive. He is not hurtful. question though is will you let God love you the way he wants to see we believe that God is a gentleman he never forces himself on anyone you have to let him in it's that whole idea of free will that we can choose whatever we want, but God says, over my dead body, I let you choose evil. And so as we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we are celebrating the love of our Father. Just as we close before we go back into worship and light some candles, I want us to just take a moment to receive from God. If I can get everyone to stand with me. See, one of the big things I believe about God is that he is a relational God and he wants to have a relationship with us. He sent his son in love to rescue us and to have a relationship with us. And an aspect of that is that we now, through Jesus, can have access to our Father in heaven. That we can experience his love, we can encounter his love. So as we close, I just want to give an opportunity for that. If you're here and you're thinking, yeah, I would, I would love to just experience love of God just encourage you to put your hands out like this posture of receiving nothing magical about this this is just an invitation to say God saying God reveal yourself to me moment I'm going to pray and as I do I just want to encourage you open your heart, open your mind and let God reveal himself to you
that helps picture yourself as a little child being held in your daddy's arms. And let him speak life. Let him tell you how much he loves you. Because I can promise you it's more than you think. So Father God, Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. instituting your kingdom for pouring out your love upon us. Jesus, as we celebrate your birth, celebrate this incredible season, this incredible reality of, of your love for us, God. I just pray for that personal touch. Holy Spirit, come. Speak to your children. Speak to your children, God. Break off the lies of you being distant and removed. Break off the lies of you being like our parents who might have loved us but are flawed. God, let us see your glory. we just declare your faithfulness and your love over our lives. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, for loving, for being God with us.